0: The Gospel of John, chapter twenty. If you have a Bible with you, if you would turn there to the Gospel of John, chapter twenty. As you're turning there, happy Valentine's Day, right? Today is Valentine's Day. Um, twenty two years ago, on this day, I asked my wife Andrea to marry me. All right, um, and so I don't know if we had to have a picture, try to get a picture of us or whatever, but um, of our engagement. Um, oh, there it is. That's us. We don't look much different today, right? At all. A um, little more gray, that kind of thing. But uh, 22 years ago on this day, I asked her to marry me um, in Columbus, Ohio. That's where didn't ask her to marry me, in Columbus, but that's where we were. Um, thought I had her fooled. We didn't. We were in college, had zero money. I said, dress up, we're going to Taco Bell. It's all I can afford, kind of a thing. Um, she's much wiser than me, knew something was coming, I think. So went to Columbus and... Um, at a restaurant, a One Nation restaurant back in the day. It's kind of like the restaurant here. It overlooked the city. Um, so 22 years ago to this day. So happy Valentine's Day. Um, let's move on to John this morning, all right? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Again, we're in this series called Sent, And kind of our, our core passage is here in John, chapter 20 where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And in verses 19 through 21, I want to read it again to us this morning. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, he looks at his disciples and he says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Pray with me this morning. Father, we gather this morning as your people. We are blessed and privileged to, be, to carry your name. And we are blessed and privileged to be in your presence this morning. And Father, I pray that right now you would take um, your words, your truth, and use it to penetrate our hearts through your spirit. Uh, May the words of my mouth and the things that come from my heart be pleasing in your sight. Um, And Lord, I pray that um, you would just continue to to guide us this morning and bring to mind those things that need to be said. Remove those things that shouldn't be said. Um, And Lord, help us to leave this space this morning having drawn closer to you. We thank you for this special day on Valentine's Day, which ultimately reminds me of your, your love. There's no greater love than you, for the scriptures tell us that you are love. You're the creator of love, and you embody love. And so we thank you for being with us this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. So here we have in John chapter 20, Jesus looks at his disciples, right? And he says, as a father has sent me, so now I am sending you. And And as we've been learning, Jesus links being his disciple with his mission. And as I shared last week, I believe we get this. I believe we understand that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're also a missionary for Jesus. Jesus has sent us out and he sent us out to play in the game, to be part of this, this mission that he has for making more followers of him around the globe. And, and we get to play in that. We, Jesus says, I'm, I'm sending you out. If you're my disciple, you're in this mission. You, you're part of God's plan to Make followers of Jesus. You have a part to play in all of that, he says. And as we discussed a week ago as well, I think there's an honest, real question that comes out of this truth... And the question is this, okay, if I get that Jesus has sent me. I get that I'm a disciple of Jesus. And if I'm a disciple, I get that I'm also missionary. I'm also to be sent. And next Sunday, we thought we'd have the missionary cards that we've been taking over the past couple weeks today. We don't have them for you today. We'll have them next Sunday. Um, so, so come back. If you had your picture taken for a missionary prayer card, come back next Sunday. And we'll redistribute those. But here, here, John, Jesus says, you're my disciple, you're also a missionary. And there's a real question that comes from that, especially in our culture as Christians. The question is, okay, I get that Jesus has sent me, so how do I live this sent life when I'm already so incredibly busy? How do I do this? How do I do this missionary Jesus thing when my life is so busy? And that question really misses Jesus' point. Because that question assumes that living Jesus' mission is separate from being his disciple, and Jesus never separates the two. He never has this dichotomy between being his disciple and living on his mission. He never separates them. So, So really the right question is this. Since Jesus has already sent me, how then should I live my everyday life? And we began last Sunday by saying one of the ways God intends us as his disciples to live sin in everyday life is through our everyday work. God intends you and me to live this sin mission life that Jesus called us to in our everyday life through our everyday work. And we gave some examples of that last Sunday. And I gave a story of, of a gentleman here, part of Living Church. It's actually Christian. Christian Rosewell, and he, he was telling me, you know, after we started this series three or four weeks ago, he sent me a text. He said, okay, I get this, that I'm supposed to live this missionary life for Jesus. How do I do this? Right, I go to work all day. How do I, how do I do, tell people about Jesus and live this out? And through texting back and forth on that Sunday a few weeks ago, I said, you know, it can be as simple as you just telling your coworkers they're sharing with you that you're going to pray for them. And he did that. And, he, and so he had a coworker that week kind of unload some family things on, on him, and Christian was like, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. And the co-worker was like, you know, I've, it's been a long time since anyone has offered to pray for me, and that conversation has led to more conversation, and Christian came up to me last Sunday after the gathering, he said, there's more to this story. So this coworker comes up to me, and he says, since you've been praying for me, things in my life are different. They're different since you said you were going to pray for me. And he said, I can't explain it other than the fact that you're praying for me. So explain to me this faith you have, this, this God you're praying to. Expl- help, me, help me understand this. So right through that, Christian is able to explain to him his love for Jesus and the impact Jesus is having. in his, And all it started with was just Christian telling his co-worker, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. Is that okay if I pray for you? And now Christian said, he's got this book he's going to take him through. And and his co-worker's willing to to go through this book and learn more about who Jesus is simply. And it was through work, at work. And he just said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And I shared with you last Sunday about a student in one of the classes, the class I teach at Miami Valley Christian Academy, who lost his father just a week ago. And I went to the dad's view, the viewing on Thursday. Stood in line for two hours. People were there for... Longer than two hours standing in line to pay their respects to this family, to this man. And behind me in line was a man that Mr. McCoy, the father who passed away, he worked with. And he was in banking. Mr. McCoy was in banking. And I cannot begin to tell you the amount of people that were there to pay their respects because of this man's integrity at work and his humility at work. And it was through how this man lived his life for Jesus in work his integrity, his honesty, and that was through how he lived his life at work that the gospel was seen, that Jesus was seen. So one of the ways that God intends us to live sent, and even wrapped up in the word work is this idea of sent. As we looked at two, uh, last week, he intends us to live sent in everyday life through our everyday work. This morning, I want to share with you another way that God intends us to live sent in our everyday life. And God intends you and me, as disciples of Jesus, to live sent in everyday life in our everyday homes. In our everyday homes. There's two places where you and I spend the most amount of our time work and home. And it's those two places, both of those places, are places God intends for Jesus to be made known and disciples of Jesus to be made. So this morning, I want to share with you one principle. I want to share with you two examples and three starts. One principle, two examples, and three starts. Here's the principle this morning. The principle is this. God always intended the home to be a place where Jesus is made known and disciples of Jesus are made. God always intended the home. Just like Chile and Skyline, they're intended to go together. Or Chili and Gold Star, right? Okay, nobody, okay. They're intended to go together. Some of you are like can't stand Gold Star, right? I thought it would get more of a rise. You're just being gracious, all right? They were intended to go together, and the same with the home and making disciples of Jesus. And so the principle is this. God always intended the home to be a place where Jesus is made known and disciples of Jesus are made. Let me show you two examples of this. Go to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here we're going to see a first example of God communicating to his people that his mission is to be lived in the home. Lived in the home. And this first example comes from his Old Testament people. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here, God has rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. They have crossed through the Red Sea. And now they're his people. They're living in community as his people. And he gives them some instructions. And here's what he tells them. Here's one of the things he communicates to his people Israel, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them, what's the them? God's word, God's truth. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You should teach God's truth To your children, you shall talk about God's truth when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you're at the store, when you're walking to school, when you're at the supermarket, when you're in the park, and and when you lie down, when you go to bed at night, and when you get up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. And in the Jewish home back then, they took that literally, they literally had scripture all through their home, on the doorposts of their home. And God's point is, listen, the home is to be a place where I am made known, where you talk about me and you talk about my truth. God expected, and he tells parents to saturate their homes with God's truth, with God's word and everything about their everyday life was to point their home toward Christ, toward God, toward the one who had rescued them from slavery. When you sit, when you rise, when you walk, when you lie down, when when you get up and when you walk through the door, when you exit the door, when you pull into the driveway, when you exit for work, everything about what you do as a home and in your home is to point to the one who's rescued us. God has always intended, here he speaks to his people, he says, listen, now that you're my community of people living this, I want you to make your home a place where I am made known, where I am made known. God's expectation for his Hebrew people was always to make their homes a place to make him known. And God has always expected parents to be the primary gospel teachers to their kids. Christian schools are awesome. I teach at one, all right? Teach a class at one. They're awesome. Sunday gatherings are awesome. Living communities gatherings are awesome, but they are never, God never intended them to replace mom and dad as the gospel teachers in their home. Never intended it. All right? They're, They're not to be substitutes for the responsibility of moms and dads in the home to teach their kids about God. They can be supplements, but they're not to be substitutes. So mom, dad, if you're a single mom, single dad, listen, you have the privilege. You can live sin in everyday life by pointing your kids to Jesus every day in your home. You live the mission. How do you do it when you're already so busy? You're at home. You can live this sent life in home in your home. And parents, listen, God has sent you, and if you don't have kids yet, but you, you desire to have kids someday, listen. You understand, God has sent you specifically to your kids. And He's given you your kids specifically because they need you. They need your personality. They need all that, they, that God has created you to be to communicate Jesus to them. He's always intended the home to be the primary place where Christ is made known and disciples are made. Well, why do we do this? What's the motivation? If you keep reading in Deuteronomy, God gives them the motivation for why they need to make their home a place of His mission. Look at verse 20 and 21. It says this, when your son asks you in time to come, why are we sitting around the table talking about Jesus? Why do you turn the channel every time there's an inappropriate image on the TV? When, you're, when your kids start asking you these things, why, you do, why, why, do you, why is church such a priority for us as a family? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? When your kids start asking these questions, he says, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you will say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The motivation, he says, why you need to point people to God is because of God's rescuing grace. How he rescued us from slavery. And we're no different than the Hebrew people. The prophets, if you read them in the Old Testament Scripture, they kept reminding the people, you've forgotten what God has done for you. Don't forget what God has done for you. The whole motivation for pointing your home toward Jesus is the fact that Jesus Christ loved us and came to earth to die on a cross to free us from the punishment you and I deserve for our sins and to bring us into relationship with God. That's why we can talk about Jesus and that's why we should talk about Jesus in our homes because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. The motivation for making our home a place where we talk about Jesus is Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us. It's always been the motivation that He's rescued us from our slavery to sin and He's set us free and He's brought us into His own home. And the point here that God's making is, listen, God has always intended the home And linked to the home as a place for his mission. For him to be made known and disciples of Jesus to be made. We have an Old Testament example. Let me show you a New Testament example. Go to the book of Acts in the New Testament. The book of Acts. Chapter 16. Here God in the Old Testament communicates to his people. The home is to be a place where you talk about me. Where you make me known. And here we kind of get a glimpse into the living room window, if you will. of of a family, of a family. We're going to see here that here, even with God's New Testament people, God links the home as a place for making the gospel known, for talking about Jesus. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Luke is the author of Acts, and he's a historian, and he records for us in the book of Acts the first 30 years of the church. And the Apostle Paul was a key player in the development and the launch of the church and so he recorded a lot of Paul's journeys to different cities to tell people about Jesus. And here in chapter 16, he records another stop in Paul's journey. And he says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And he says, a disciple, verse 1, Acts chapter 16, a disciple, this was all happening in modern day Turkey, um, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well. Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was Greek. So, so here you have Luke telling us about this disciple named Timothy. Well, what do we learn about Timothy? Well, we learn he was a disciple. And we also learn that his mom was a disciple, right? The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was Greek. We don't know for sure, but it seems like Luke's making a contrast here that mom knew Jesus, but dad didn't. Mom was all in. Mom was all in. Mom was made sure the kids were up and ready to go be with the church and all this stuff was teaching them in the home. But, but it doesn't seem like dad was. We don't know that for sure, but it seems the way Luke writes is he's trying to make this contrast. And some of you can relate to that, right? Some of you grew up in homes where maybe it was mom. She was the one that told you about Jesus. She was a spiritual leader in the home. Or maybe some of you grew up in homes where it was dad. But you didn't have both. You can relate. Timothy understood that. That was Timothy's home. So, so how did Timothy come to know about Jesus? Where did it all start for Timothy? We'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes a letter specifically to this young protege, Timothy. Timothy has traveled with Paul on his journeys and now Paul says, listen, I want you to pastor a congregation of living communities in the city of Ephesus. That's really what he's doing. He's pastoring a collection of house churches in Ephesus, pretty much, is what what we come to understand. And so here we have Paul writing this letter to his young protege, this young pastor, Timothy. And he writes, and he says this, so here we we get a glimpse that Timothy's a disciple, his mom's a disciple, dad we're not sure, but it seems like he isn't. And so as we look into the living room window, what happens is we see a little bit more as to how Timothy came to hear about Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and he writes this to Timothy. It's a letter to him from Paul, and he says, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy, and I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. You see, Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and he wants to remind Timothy kind of of his journey. He reminds him of where it all started for Timothy. And he tells us here, as we look into kind of the living room window of this family, of Timothy's home life, what we, what we come to understand is that it started with Grandma Lois. Grandma Lois, it started with Grandma. It started with her. She probably was sitting in the supermarket somewhere, and this guy named Paul comes in, and he starts talking about Jesus, and she hears about Jesus, and how he's the Messiah, and she surrenders her faith to Jesus, and, and she's surrendered her life to him, and she's a believer in Jesus. Jesus changes her life, and she goes home, and she has a little girl named Eunice, and she starts talking to her little daughter about, about Jesus, and now Eunice is hearing about Jesus, and Eunice comes to know Christ, and now she grows up, and Eunice has her own family, and a little guy named little Tim is in there, and she starts talking about, little, about Jesus with little Tim, and, and, and now he's hearing about Jesus. And here you have the gospel ripple, and it all starts with Grandma. It all starts with her talking about Jesus in the home dwelt in her first. In her first. And then it traveled down to her daughter Eunice, Timothy's mom, and then to Timothy. And what we see here is that God used a grandma and a mom who were passionate about Jesus, whose lives were transformed by Jesus, talking about Jesus in the home. God used that in the process of Timothy becoming a disciple of Jesus. Well, what did they talk about? Well, they talked about Jesus, but what was kind of what, what did they use? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Again, here we see grandma and, and mom in, in in the living room, and they're down with little Timothy, and they're sitting there maybe at the table or on the floor. And Paul writes this in verse 15, and he tells Timothy, How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, grandma and mom lived sent in the home as they taught Timothy the Bible. They taught him the scriptures. Now, why the scriptures? Because the scriptures tell us about Jesus. Jesus himself said that. Luke 24, 47. John chapter 5, he said, The scriptures bear witness about me. You see, God used the home, grandma and mom, teaching the Bible to Timothy to move Timothy toward becoming a disciple of, So here we see this home linked with God's mission of making Jesus known. We're talking a lot about grandmas and moms, but what about dads? What about dads? Well, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy's church that he pastored. And it's called the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, Paul specifically addresses the dads. And he says this, chapter 6, verse 4. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So Paul here, addressing the church, he speaks to dads. He says, dads, you have a primary responsibility in teaching your children about Jesus, making Jesus a priority in your home. So it's not just up to mom, it's not just up to grandma, it's it's on you too. All right? And listen, if we have time to play video games, to watch our favorite sports on TV, guys, we have all this time, and we have no time to teach our kids about Jesus. Our priorities are out of whack. And I'm talking to me. I can sit and watch a Cleveland Cavaliers game all night long and love it. But then when it comes time, I'm mean, oh, man. We haven't had time in the Word together as a family for a while, right? I'll make a priority to sit down and watch that game. Talking to me. We have time to do all these things. But we got to understand that God intends your home to be a place where Jesus is made known and disciples of Jesus are made. It. Now, I'm still in this journey. Okay, we have not, I have not arrived in this one bit. I'm with you. But you need to understand that God uses the home as a place to, to, to make himself known and, and to make disciples of Jesus. You need to understand that God has sent you mom and dad, or single mom, single dad, soon-to-be mom or dad, Hope a moment. God, God has sent you to your kids to be missionaries to them, to point them to Jesus. And they need you. So here we see one principle. God's always intended the home to be a place where Jesus is made known and disciples of Jesus are made. Two examples is Old Testament people, as New Testament people. How do you do that? What's that look like? Right? How do you do this? Let's get practical here for a moment. I want to give you in a moment three starts for making your home a place for Jesus' mission. Before I give you those three starts, a couple questions. What's it look like if you're here this morning and your kids are all grown? They're all out of the house. Right? Or maybe you're a grandparent. What do you do? You do what Grandma Lois did. You just start talking about Jesus. You do. You just pray with your grandkids. You pray with them. You tell them your Jesus stories. You read a Jesus storybook Bible with them. You just tell them, oh, yeah, you tell them how God answers your prayers. And tell them, give them specific. Just tell them about Jesus. If your kids are all grown, you have grandkids, keep serving Jesus. Let them know why you're doing what you're doing. Let them know why you go to be with the church on Sundays. Talk to them. What's it look like if your kids are older? Maybe they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Maybe they don't want anything to do with Jesus. What do you do? You keep praying for them. You keep loving them. Some of you came to know Jesus later in life. So can your kids. So can your kids. So you keep praying for them. Paul wrote, listen, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So you just keep loving those kids the way Jesus loved you when you didn't know him. You just keep loving them. What's it look like if you don't have kids yet? Start now praying for your kids. I remember my, my parents telling me later, listen, I was praying for you before we even knew you. All right, Before we even, we even knew you were going to be you. We've prayed for you. If you don't have kids, start praying for your kids. Start leading yourself spiritually. Get yourself into the Scriptures. Deepen your relationship with Jesus. Well, what's it look like this morning if you have kids in your home, right? um, Or when you have kids in your home, where do you start in a moment? All this comes with a warning label. Okay? Let me just give you a warning. The moment you decide to lead your family spiritually, Satan is going to ramp it up. He's gonna ramp up. I guarantee you, and I know this from personal experience. We can all be good, and I'm just gonna open up, okay, the window into our home for a moment, so you can kind of. We can be all great, having a great day at the table, right? Or all, as a family, and kids can be getting along. I'm be getting along with the kids, and Andrew and I can be getting. The moment we start talking about Jesus. <laughs> Attitudes, everything comes out. It's like, what in the world happened? Not every time, but sometimes that happens. Right? I mean, in the middle of you're trying to lead your, your family spiritually, and I'm sending kids to their room. Right? It's like, what in the world? This is and then you walk away and going, is this worth it? Right? I mean, I did not I didn't plan that to happen, right? But it's war, it's battle. Hell breaks loose. And you know why it breaks loose? Because you're talking about Jesus. That's why. So it comes with a warning label. If you're going to lead your family spiritually, you're going to lead them in the truth of Jesus and making Jesus known. Just expect it to be awkward. Expect it to be messy. Expect you, to all your sin to come out as a parent because it does. Right in those moments, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I walk away. I'm going, who am I to lead my family in Jesus? Right? I need to go repent and all that. I mean, just telling you, all that comes with a warning. But when that happens, you're fighting battle and you know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you know it. So you just need to know that up front. So let me give you three starts for how to make your home a place of Jesus' mission. Okay, these are just some ways to just get launching into this if you're you're not familiar with leading your family spiritually. Okay, and I'm in this journey. First thing you need to start with, is you need to start with the scriptures. You need to start with the scripture. Right, Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice, they started with the scripture. Right? And he says, listen, the scripture which makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Start with the Bible. Use the Bible. Use it. Open it up. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to go to a Christian school or a Christian Bible college. Just read your Bible. Just read it. Get your family. Just read it. It's God's truth that will lead your family to see Jesus. And God's always expected Us, as his disciples, to saturate our homes with the truth. It's the scriptures that point us to see our need for Jesus, right? And listen, the scriptures tell us that it is life. And some of us need life back into our homes. We need life. You want life back in your home? Start reading the scripture together. Start reading the Bible. Because the Bible's life, it points to Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Bring life into your home. Start with the scriptures. All right, use age-appropriate translations, right? These are just recommendations, okay? Zero to five, you have little kids that don't know how to read yet, right? They can't even understand words yet. That's okay, just do it anyway. Just get in that habit of reading the scripture. There's a great little book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Phenomenal little book. Okay, so if they're young, they can't read, grab that little thing, get it on Amazon, wherever, and just read that to your kids, Read that to yourself. I read it, I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I like that translation. All right, okay, it's kind of on my level. All right, so just do that. Or if they're older, there's some other things, Children's New Living Translation Bible, all those different things. So listen, I'm just trying to give you some, some training wheels here, right, to kind of ride through this as we, as we lead our homes and lead our families as a place of mission. Second start start with Scripture. Start with yourself. Start with yourself. Right, Paul said, listen, this faith first dwelt in your grandmother and then your mom. It starts with you. And it's hard to lead or talk about someone that you don't know. You're not getting to know. If you're not getting to know Jesus, how in the world are you going to talk to your kids about this Jesus you don't know? And some of you need to know Jesus. We're talking a lot of them. We're saying his name a lot. And it's going to be hard for you to lead your home about Jesus if you don't know Jesus this morning. And our whole motivation for leading, it's going to be you don't have any motivation to lead your family spiritually, maybe because you don't even know Jesus personally. You've never surrendered to him. And this morning, the scriptures tell us whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, recognize you. You are a sinner. You confess your sins to him. And he went to the cross to take your punishment for your sin against God. And he came back to life. And he's alive. And he will give you life in your soul. And you get to know him. But if you're here and you are a disciple of Jesus, you need to start with yourself. It starts with Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice first. Spend time with Jesus. Get a Bible reading plan, journal. Get to know him. It's hard to talk to your kids about Jesus if you're not spending time with them yourself. It just is. Third start. Okay, there's nothing in the Bible that says this about 10 minutes. Okay, but I just want to give us some handlebars here training. Start with 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. All right, if it goes eight, cool, we're not going to like, you know, come and find you. Or it goes five, that's cool. All right, what, I'm just, just start with ten minutes. And in that ten minutes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read the scripture, I want you to sing a song, and I want you to pray. All right, I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I learned that from somebody else. Just read the scripture, sing a song, and pray. Let me give you an example of how we did this as a family recently. One of the things we'll do on occasion, we vary it up as far as our time together as a family. Whatever the Proverbs of the day is, okay? So let's say today's the 14th, so later today, possibly, as a family, we might sit around the table together over a meal, whatever, and I'll pull out the book of Proverbs, and I'll go to chapter 14, 14th day of the month. And so what we did even a couple of days ago, or maybe a week ago, whatever the date was, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this chapter, and as I read this chapter of Proverbs, I want you to listen for a word, a phrase, something that pops out to you as you hear this. And so I did that, and the kids, so what we did was I, I read it, and then, you know, from Grant all the way down to Kate, right, 16 down to 7. And so I said, okay, what popped out to you? What stood out to you? And we get different thing, conversation going, and we end up talking about all this stuff for about, for about 20 minutes. And then as they're talking, we're talking about wisdom and all this, because that's in Proverbs, and the, the song pops in my head, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? So I got my 16-year-old and me, 43, 42, down on my 7, we're all singing, the wise man, I mean, build his house, and we're all doing it right? And then we sang the song together and then we prayed together afterward. Do we do that every day? No. Once a week, hopefully. A couple times a week. Yeah, I'd I'd hope for more. All right, but just start with 10 minutes. Just get your family together. Turn off the TV, get the devices out of the way, whatever. And if your kids are running all over, man, I get it. All right, been there. Get back, you know, it's like, it's like herding cats, right? Come here, come here. Jesus loves you, but I don't right now, okay? You know, it's like, you know, I know he loves you. I'm trying to love you more, but I'll, I get it. I get it. What you're trying to, it's more what they're seeing and you t- what's important to you. What's important to you, all right? You can talk to different people that you know are live in sent in their homes. Ask them what they do. We'll do Bible trivia with the kids on occasion. They love that. We'll, I'll tell them what, I'm, what Jesus is teaching me, and we'll just talk about that. Sometimes the other a couple of weeks ago, I was really challenged. Do my kids really know why the Bible's true? How they can believe the Bible's true? So I was like, "Man, do I know?" Right? So I'm googling stuff and finding videos and different things like that. And so we showed it. We talked about it. All right. But listen, the whole point in all of this is God has always intended your home to be a place where Jesus is made known and disciples of Jesus are made. And when you do this, there's no guarantee that your kids will be disciples of Jesus. But here's the guarantee. The guarantee is they're going to hear about Jesus from the very people they should be hearing from about Jesus. God has always intended your home to be a place where Jesus is made known and disciples of Jesus are made. So, 10-minute challenge this week. All right? I'm throwing it out to all of us. 10-minute challenge. If you don't have kids, do it anyway. All right, get yourselves together as a couple. Or start think of your nieces and nephews or whomever. Start praying for them. Ten-minute challenge. Can you imagine? Just, just go with me on this. Imagine if every home represented here this morning was intentional about making Jesus known in their home. Imagine not only what that would do for our homes, but imagine what that would do for those who visit your home. Well, for kids for sleepovers. Last night, okay, Last night, we, had, we have neighbors, okay, go figure, but we have next-door neighbors, and they're Muslim, all right? And we have gotten to know them, become friends, and so we had them over for dinner last night. And we thought it was just going to be them, their couple and their two little kids. Well, Andrew gets a text in the middle of the day going, are you okay if we bring my, his mom and his brother and his sister? So it went from like four people to eight people, right? And Andrew's like, more food, I can cook more. Awesome, right? I'm like, more food, right? So she loves to cook. That's her thing. So they come in. Right, it's awesome. I'm just telling you. It's so cool. There's so, such good friends. And so we're coming in, and, and I'm, you know, you don't want to offend kind of a thing. And all this, I'm thinking of all this stuff. And so we're all there. And what we do as a family, usually we just grab hands and we pray. We thank Jesus for our food. Right? And I said, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that we do is before we eat, we just grab hands and we pray and we thank Jesus for our food. Are you okay with that? And they're like, yeah, that's cool. So we all here. We are six plus, I don't know how many, eight, right? 14, whatever, 14, 15 of us. And we're just holding hands together in our living room, praying. And I'm thanking Jesus for the food. And the wife of the brother who came this is the first time ever inside an American's home. First time ever. Ever. And I am honored that God would choose us. For the first time for her to be in an American home, to be in a home where the name of Jesus is proclaimed. We didn't know that was going to happen. God orchestrated that. So when you make your place a home for Jesus' mission, it will not only impact those in your family. It will impact those who you have in your home as well for the gospel. It's awesome. I mean, couldn't sleep last night, right? And what's crazy is the conversations I'm having with my kids afterward. About the whole thing. Talk about Jesus and who He is and the difference He makes and all this stuff. It's phenomenal. It's awesome, and God has always intended it to be that way. And I get, guys, especially listen. Maybe you didn't have that growing up, and it feels awkward, and you don't know how to start. Listen, I get it. Just, just start. Just start. I'm going to ask the band to come. And as we think about this this morning, listen, one of the ways God intends us to live sent in everyday life is in our everyday homes. I'm guessing Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice had no clue Timothy would grow up to be a pastor. Had no idea. But he did. He did. God used them and them talking about Jesus in the home. And listen, it all starts with you, you, and your gratitude for what Jesus has done for you. It all starts with His grace in your life. So this week, church, I'm challenging all of us the 10-minute challenge, all right? If it's five minutes, cool. All right? Read the scriptures together. Sing a song together. And pray together. This is what we're going to do. We have one. going to close with a song. I want you to stand this morning. And we got chairs here. Maybe you just want to come and you want to pray for your family. Maybe we want to pray for families in our church. Maybe we want to pray for your own family, nieces, nephews, whatever. Maybe you want to go to the back and you just want to get your family together and you just want to pray. All right. Maybe you want to pray for your future family. Want to pray. I don't know, but I just want us to close this time out just thanking God for the privilege that it is to be called His own and the privilege that it is to live sent in our everyday homes. So as we sing this song, if you want to come, you want to kneel, you want to pray, you want to go to the back of the room and pray, do that. Father, thank you so much for your rescuing grace and forgiveness in our lives. Thank you for the privilege that it is to talk about you in our homes. Give us the power through your spirit to take that next start. And Lord, through that, let us see you transform not only our lives, but the lives of those in our homes. You truly are our cornerstone. You're the cornerstone, you're the bedrock. And may you be the cornerstone of each and every relationship, and family that's here this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.